Salvete omnes, welcome to the AP Latin Podcast. The goal of this podcast will be to cover the lines from Caesar's De Bello Gallico and Virgil's Aeneid that are found on the AP Latin curriculum. Each two-part episode will cover a selection of lines from Caesar and Virgil. I will present the Latin and English of the text, providing relevant clarification, background, and cultural information that will help put the readings in their proper context. I encourage you to read along with me as you listen to the Latin and to use the English as a way to check your understanding rather than relying on the English for understanding. Each episode will conclude with some essential questions to consider as you process through the meaning of the text. Parati, eamos. AP Latin Podcast, Episode 8A. De Bello Gallico, Book 4, Chapters 31 to 33. In this episode, you will learn that Caesar fixes everything and that Caesar foresees everything, even when he doesn't. At Caesar, et si nondum eorum concilia cognoerat, Tamen et ex eventu navium suarum et ex eo quad obsides dare intermiserant, fore id quad acidit suspicabatur. Itaque ad omnes casus subsidia comparabat. Nam et frumentum ex agris cotidie in castra conferebat, et quae gravissime adflictae erant naves, earum materia atque aira ad reliquas reficiendas utebatur et quae ad eas res erant usui, ex continenti comparare iubebat. Itaque, cum sumo studio amelitibus administraretur, duodecem nauibus amissis, reliquis ut navigari comode posset effecit. Dum ea geruntur, legione ex consuetudine una frumentatum missa, quae appellabatur septima, neque ulla ad id tempus belli suspicione interposita cum pars hominum in agris remaneret, pars etiam in castra ventitaret, ei qui proportis castrorum in statione erant caesari nuntia verunt pulverem maiorem quam consuetudo feret, in ea parte videri quam in partem legio interficisset. Caesar, id quad erat suspicatus aliquid novi a barbaris initum concili. Cohortes quae in stationibus erant secum in eam partem proficisci, ex reliquis duas in stationem cohortes succedera, reliquas armari et confestim sese subsequiusit. Cum Paulo Longius a castris procesisset, suos ab hostibus premi atque aigra sustenera et conferta legione ex omnibus partibus tela conici animadvertit. Nam quod omni ex reliquis partibus de meso frumento, pars una erat reliqua, suspicati hostes huc nostros esse venturos noctu in siluis delituerant. Tum, dispersos depositis armis in metendo occupatos subito adorti, paucis interfectis reliquos in certis ordinibus perturbar verant. Simul equitatu atque esedis circum dederant. Genus hoc est, ex esedis pugnae. Primo per omnes partes per equitant, et teleconiciunt, atque ipso terrore equorum, et strepitu rotarum, ordines plerumque perturbant. Et, cum se inter equitum turmas insinuaverunt, ex esediis desiliunt et pedibus proiliantur. Aurigae interim paulatum ex proilio excedunt. Atque ita curus colocant, ut, si illi a multitudine hostium premantur, expeditum ad suos receptum habeant. 
Ita mobilitatem equitum stabilitatem peditum in proleis praestant. Ac tantum usu quotidiano et exercitatione efficiunt uti in declivi ac praecipiti loco incitatos equos sustenere et brevi moderari ac flectere et per timonem percurrera et in jugo insistera et se inde incurus citissime recipera consuerent. But Caesar, even if he had not yet learned their plans, nevertheless, both from the disaster of their ships and from the fact that they had stopped giving hostages, was suspecting that this would be the thing that happened. And so he was preparing help for all misfortunes. For he was both bringing grain from the fields into the camp every day, and the ships that were most heavily damaged he was using their timber and bronze for repairing the rest. And that which was of use for those things he was ordering to be provided from the continent. And so, since it was managed by the soldiers with the greatest enthusiasm, although twelve ships were lost, he accomplished for the rest that they were able to be suitably sailed. While these things are being done, after one legion had been sent to forage by custom, which was called the seventh, and because at this time not any suspicion of war had been put forward, when part of the men were remaining in the fields, part even were coming and going from the camp. Those who were in guard station in front of the gates of the camp announced to Caesar that dust greater than custom would bring was seen in that part into which part the legion had made their journey. Caesar, having suspected that which it was, something of a new plan begun by the barbarians, he ordered the cohorts, which were in guard stations, to set out with himself into that part, that two of the remaining cohorts replace them in guard stations, the rest to be armed and follow after himself immediately. When he had proceeded a little further from the camp, he noticed that his men were being pressed by the enemy and were resisting weakly, and with the legion crowded together, weapons were being thrown from all sides. For, because after all the grain had been reaped from the rest of the parts, there was one part left. The enemy, having suspected that our men would come to this place, had hidden at night in the woods. Then, having suddenly attacked our men, scattered with their arms deposited, occupied in reaping, After a few were killed, they had thrown the rest into confusion with disorganized ranks, and at the same time had surrounded them with cavalry and chariots. This is the type of fighting from chariots. At first, they ride around through all parts and throw their weapons, and by the very terror of the horses and the noise of the wheels, they generally confuse the ranks. And, when they have pushed themselves in among the squadrons of cavalry, they leap down from their chariots and fight on foot. The drivers, meanwhile, little by little withdraw from the battle, and park their chariots such that if those men are being pressed by the multitude of the enemy, they can have an expedient retreat to their own forces. Thus in battles they display the mobility of cavalry, the stability of foot soldiers, and so much by daily use and training they accomplish that they are accustomed to sustain their horses at full gallop on a sloping and steep place, and steer and turn them quickly, and to run down the pole and stand on the yoke, and to return very quickly into the chariots. Last time... Caesar the author had created a scene in which the Romans, preoccupied by bad weather and low manpower and limited resources, had missed the British leaders beginning to organize a resistance and make a plan to blockade the Romans until winter, when they would starve. And Caesar the general inside the narrative seems to be unaware of these plans, even as we the audience are told about them. Beginning in this section, though, we see that Caesar was not caught completely off guard. Brilliant general that he is within his own story, He predicted that something like this would happen, even if he didn't have all the details yet, and so he was working like crazy to plan for worst-case scenarios. Caesar the general is presented as always in control of the situation, no matter what happens. He immediately figures out a way to use the parts from the most damaged ships to refit and repair the rest, 
He sends out foraging groups to get all the grain they could and bring it back to the camp, and he orders necessary gear to be brought from the mainland. He also takes the time to point out specifically just how hard his soldiers worked to get the ships back usable again, while also giving himself some credit, saying that he brought it about that most were made usable. In the middle of all of these preparations, the Britons launch their first counterattack against the Romans by ambushing the 7th Legion as they are out foraging for grain. And even though Caesar just mentioned that he had suspected some kind of plot from the Britons, the Romans are still caught off guard because he says that no suspicion of war had yet been presented. So either the attack happened earlier than Caesar could have foreseen, catching them all unaware, or Caesar was keeping his suspicions to himself and had not informed his men, so they were caught off guard when the ambush happened. Or he is writing a little revisionist history into his thought process after the fact, and softening just how badly the Britons surprised them all with their organization and resistance. But Caesar very quickly turns back around and states again that he had suspected some kind of new plan from the barbarians, again placing himself firmly in control of the situation. All is unfolding exactly as I have foreseen it, Caesar says from within his fully armed and operational Death Star, and he quickly jumps into action. So after the guards posted at the gates notice a big dust cloud in the area where the 7th went to go forage, they report this to Caesar, confirming his twice-stated suspicions who immediately jumps into super-decisive hyper-commander mode and through quick and confident command choices, does what he needs to do in order to bring aid to the soldiers caught in the ambush. Caesar the author then slows the action down within the narrative and gives you a snapshot of everything that Caesar the general notices as he nears the battle. And you get to see through his eyes and take in everything that he does, getting a personal tour of the thought process of the strategist, tactician, and military mind that is Caesar the general. He sees his forces packed together and surrounded and barely able to resist, and so he knows he has to act quickly. He sees the lay of the land and realizes that this was the only place with grain left, so it was an easy spot for an ambush. Then Caesar's narrator briefly steps in and explains the details of the British ambush for you. He sees why his men are struggling so badly, that they did not have their armor and weapons ready when they were ambushed so they couldn't form ranks or mount a strong defense, and he sees chariots. It's at this point that Caesar the author and omniscient narrator steps back in again, discussing the British technique of chariot warfare. British chariot warfare is a terrifying sight because they have their horses and riders so well trained that they can execute maneuvers and turns at top speed and on uneven or sloping terrain, and the fighters can mount the chariot by running along the posts that connect the horses to the chariot car itself. You might be wondering why Caesar seems to hit the brakes on the action to describe the chariot fighting right in the middle of the battle while the Romans are in desperate need of assistance. Potentially, this is giving you and the Roman audience who have never seen chariot warfare before a picture of what it looks like so you can understand just what the soldiers are facing. With the vividness of his description, Caesar invites you to be an eyewitness to the events in your mind, giving you a picture in your imagination of exactly what the Seventh is experiencing. It could also be that while Caesar is organizing his forces and preparing to rescue his men, he makes us wait for the final conclusion of the battle along with them. So instead of going straight to the end, he draws the battle out with his description of chariot tactics, delaying the conclusion and making you wait for the resolution just as the soldiers in the ambush had to wait for Caesar to arrive to rescue them. And we will have to wait still a little bit longer for the conclusion to this battle. As we close out the episode, here are some essential questions to consider. Despite his difficulties, Caesar represents himself as always in control. How does he achieve this? 
How does Caesar both credit his soldiers for their hard work and make sure that he receives the credit for repairing the damage to the ships? Both Aeneas and Caesar experience shipwrecks, but Caesar immediately figures out a way to repair his ships as best he can under the circumstances. What does Aeneas do after his shipwreck in Carthage? Why were the responses of Caesar and Aeneas so different? Why were Caesar's men caught off guard while foraging? How does Caesar choose to present this information? How does Caesar consistently manage his image throughout this passage? How does Caesar's depiction of chariot warfare compare to and contrast to some of the Ephesus passages we have seen in the Aeneid? Why might authors pause from time to time to give detailed descriptions of scenes and events their characters experience? Gratias ago pro ascoltando, valete.